It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. Yeah, the president sounded like he's concerned about it, but no specifics, no change in policy. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. President Biden welcomed German Chancellor Olaf Scholz to the White House this week as the Biden administration looks to ease tensions along the Ukrainian border with Russia poised there with 100,000 plus troops. Scholz promised Germany's support in the event of a Russian invasion, but their pledge had its limits, at least as he talked about it. And meantime, Omicron cases continue to fall across the U.S. as governors begin easing their mask mandates for indoor facilities though some school mandates remain in place. For this and more, we bring in our panel, joined by co-founder and president of Real Clear Politics, Tom Bevan, and Fox News contributor, host of the Ben Dominich podcast, Ben Dominich. You know, Tom, the first of all, the Ukraine thing, as we look over there, it does seem like Putin is becoming more bold in, in how he's talking about it. But it, there are some people who look at this and say he could be just fainting this to get the most out of preventing Ukraine from getting into NATO. Right. And and he does seem to be <laughs> having a, a, a decent amount of success in terms of exposing uh, the, the weaknesses within NATO and the NATO alliance. And, and we saw that again on display this week, as you mentioned, you know, uh, Biden with the German chancellor there and, and Biden saying effectively, listen, our, our leverage is the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. And if Russia invades Ukraine, it's canceled. Um, and, you know, the German minister was standing there and did not say those words and kind of looked at him. Uh, it was it was conspicuous in in the fact that he did not uh, say that. So uh, we'll, we'll see what Putin does. I mean, um, from a, from a calculus standpoint, he's pushed. He, he continues to just push it as far as he can go. Um and the administration continues to believe, I think, sincerely that he is on the cusp of invading. I mean, every day we hear, you know, it's imminent. It's going to happen. It's it's happening soon. Um, but as as of yet, it's still a waiting game. Right. And Ben, what we are doing as a country um, is trying to pressure Germany to do more. Uh, it seemed like he, the German chancellor was saying there'll, there'll be unity here. But when pressed on whether Nord Stream 2, the pipeline would be closed down, didn't really get there verbally. He, he definitely didn't. And I, I think that it's important that people understand the context of this. Uh, the SPD, the Social Democratic Party in, in Germany, has a long history of ambivalence uh, toward uh, Russia on a number of, of different points uh, rooted in their history, uh, which is both 
uh, practical in some ways and ideological uh, in the other. Uh, I don't think that the ideological part is particularly defensible. But there's no real upper limit, I don't think, to the other nations that an SPD-led Germany would be willing to sell out in pursuit of Russian partnership. Uh, so it's not just about Ukraine. It includes Poland, the Baltics, Finland, the Czechs. I think that they would all receive the same kind of treatment from the Germans. If, if Germany was not in NATO right now, I strongly suspect you'd see an even more robust German-Russian cooperation or even alliance. So this is a situation that I think that the Biden administration has really misplayed uh, from the get-go in a lot of ways. And there are potential ramifications uh, that are very serious. And on the Russia point, I, I think just to follow on, on Tom's suggestion, you know, we're, we're seeing this in the context of the Beijing Olympics and this real show of, of Chinese strength uh, in, in the recent context. Uh, Putin seems to be confident that, that China represents uh, the strong force going forward and that America is fading in terms of its role, not just in Europe, but around the world. And as long as he is able to uh, understand the world through that lens, what he's been doing uh, makes a lot of practical sense, whether Americans like it or not. Right. I mean, essentially, you're saying he, he's playing a strong hand, uh, strongly with a weak hand. I mean, mm -hmm. minus if, if gas prices fall, and it doesn't appear like they're going that direction, but if they did, Putin has less leverage around the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and that's so, something that I think uh, you know, has been a hallmark of his approach to, to leadership. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, America has not really been capable of pushing back in, in the ways that I think a lot of our allies would like us to see uh, against that strong play of a weak hand. Meantime, Tom, uh, at home, there is this uh, thought that it's a changing tide when it comes to mask mandates in, in particular, and that Democratic governors, New Jersey, Connecticut, Oregon, uh, are, are starting to change and saying that this is going to come to an end, but some of them not for schools. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering when my governor, J.B. Pritzker, is going to get on board. He seems to be, <laughs> he, is, uh, he is holding steady. In fact, there was a, a judge that ruled against his uh, mandate for masks and, and vaccinations in public schools. And, you know, he decried that as a, as a poor decision by the judge, poor legal reasoning. And so there are pockets um, uh, around the country where, you know, Democratic-led states with supermajorities in the legislature are still all in, uh, even as we, we are seeing COVID cases decline. But your point is well taken. I mean, there does seem to be this, um, th this movement among Democrats and, you know, for a while, Jared Polis in Colorado was sort of on his own. I mean, he was he was the first Democrat to get there by by a mile. And, and now we're seeing other Democratic governors who are saying, look, it's it's time to pull back. I think Democrats recognize that this is hurting them politically and that they need to return to to some sort of normalcy that continuing to punish um you know, segments of the population continuing, particularly with, when it comes to kids. I mean, we saw the reaction to Stacey Abrams posing for this picture, you know, maskless in a class with all these little kids around her masked up. Um, the blowback from that has been pretty serious. And, and I think other folks are taking notice of that. I mean, that is, they're on the wrong side of this. Um, and I think they recognize that and, and they're trying to, to figure out a way to get back on the right side. 
um, at you know at least a little bit before the election comes because that is that is looming large and coming quickly. Yeah, I, and I don't want to be too cynical and skeptical, but covering Washington, you do that from time to time. <laughs> um, but as the the closer that we get to the midterm election, the science has not changed. Mm-hmm. The politics is changing. Yes, you're you're completely dead on there, uh, Brett. And this is a, a right time to be cynical about what's really going on here. Uh, the imagery uh, that Tom cited regarding Stacey Abrams is so terrible that it's the type of thing that that people who are not even running in the state of Georgia, Republicans who are not even running there, uh, will doubtless take up those images and use them uh, to their political benefit in, in ads and uh, in other contexts as they uh, go uh, head, heading towards these midterms. Look, the, the American people are fed up with this. They were promised normalcy. Um, they thought that uh, after the election of, of Joe Biden and with the uh, ever presence of, of vaccines, we would be able to achieve it, particularly for their children. And the ramifications for these very young children are serious. And as we continue to learn more and have more evidence, it's really only moving in one direction. And that's negative uh, for the experiences that these children have, uh, their developmental uh, advancement. uh, And those concerns are rising among parents who can tell the differences that are going on and are experiencing increased tension with school officials. When you have the likes of Randy Weingarten, head of the teachers unions, going on TV and essentially demanding that everyone be vaccinated before uh, the masks can come off for all those kids. That's just not something that has a lot of appeal among Americans. And I think that the voters uh, are very much going to be making that uh, that noise heard as we head into the fall. Smart Democrats, uh, both politicians and consultants would be wise to start uh, upping the the path toward uh, getting back to normal when it comes to these kids in schools. We'll hear what they have to say after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project big or small as a homeowner myself i always have things i want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool with over 200,000 pros in their network angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. We always hear follow the science, follow the science. Well, from everything that we've seen, the science suggests that the threat to kids, especially young kids, is minuscule, um, really, really small. 
and the threat of hospitalization is even smaller, and the threat of death is really small. Now, you know, you, you could look at the flu, you could look at other things. I'm not saying COVID is the flu, but I'm saying the threat, the threat to children, according to every study that we've seen, is really small. Yet the new studies that we're seeing, Tom, are threats to the mental stability, to the socialization of children and what that means. And the CDC hasn't changed their guidelines yet, and that's what the White House is sticking to. But as more countries overseas change theirs, isn't the pressure going to be on? Absolutely. And and uh, there are a lot of folks, um, myself included, uh, who, who have been screaming about this for, for a long time. I mean, it was pretty obvious from, from the get-go uh, about what this would do to kids. If you had kids and you watched them go through, whether you know they were in elementary school or high school and you watched their sports seasons get obliterated and their, their proms get obliterated and, and their senior years, graduations, I mean, uh, and, and to watch the, the little kids, the learning loss that took place, as you mentioned, the socialization loss uh, for kids, not to mention the, the absolute learning loss um, that took place that we're now seeing and is going to be with us for years. I mean, this is not something that we're just going to be able to flip the switch and it's all going to go back to normal. I mean, what we've what we put these kids through um, in the name of, you know, uh, the, the community health and putting, uh, you know, the health of, again, the, the people who are um, these kids are not even at risk, uh, at very, very little risk. Um, so, and we've treated them as, as vectors of disease. And it's, it's been really, uh, of all the things that I think we've gotten wrong, this is the most disappointing, uh, the most tragic, the most short-sighted, and the one that's going to hurt us the most in the long term. And, and um, a lot of this too is theater. I mean, I, I, I'll just give you one quick story. You know, I went to a high school basketball game uh, on Friday night and, and everybody in the stands had to be masked. Uh, of course, all the players had to play the game with their masks on. And as I said, 80% of them had it below their nose. 20% of them had it on their chin. Nobody ever said anything about it. Um, and toward the end of the game, one of the guys, <clears throat> he was going for a basket. He got fouled and his mask broke. The strap broke. And they stopped the game. And before he went to shoot his free throw, he put on a fresh mask and put it below his chin and then went up and shot free throws. And the game went on. I mean, parents and, and everybody recognizes that there's this is just theater. It's theater of the absurd in terms of uh, the way that we've we've you know, we've talked about masks, the way that we treat yeah. people and the way that politicians themselves back to Stacey Abrams, don't it show people by their own actions that they don't even believe the mandates that they put on other people, including our kids. Right. And I, listen, I, th I agree with you. Are you looking at an NBA game? All the players are playing without a mask, but everybody in the stands has to wear the mask. And then the players go back to their seats on the bench and they put a mask on. Right. Now, you were just huffing and puffing and playing the game. <laughs> I mean, if you don't have it from the time that you were in the paint, um, you know, you're probably not going to get it on the, on the sidelines. But that's the, the frustrating thing, I think, Ben. And the more and more we go down that avenue politically, uh, the less and less Democrats, I think, have to defend those policies and so perhaps they're trying to get to a place where they can say, oh, look, COVID is solved and we've given you your liberty back with these, you know, mask mandates coming off.
it got a little attention uh, last week when uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin was getting yelled at in a, a grocery store in, in uh, Virginia and Alexandria uh, about not wearing a mask by someone who was. The, the mandates, of course, in that area have been gone uh, for quite some time, almost a year. Uh, but this is a, a situation that absolutely has a trickle down effect. My wife and I have a 16 month old daughter, which means that we're looking at preschools now. Uh, and and all of them in the area that we are in uh, have uh, mandates uh, for mask wearing. I can tell you, uh, you could try to staple it to her, and it's still not going to stay on. Uh, I mean, you know, this is yeah. a, these are two year olds we're talking about, and for uh, and for I think uh, the typical American parent, uh, they're fed up with this. They're over it, and the 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 more that they assign this to a monopartisan view of the world uh, as opposed to being something that is originating in, in valid science uh, or defensible in, an, in a non-political way, uh, the worse that that is for Democratic politicians headed into the midterms. We'll follow this, definitely. And obviously you have the Canada situation and the truckers up there as well that's getting a lot of attention. Guys, thanks so much. Now for a bit of history, February 8th, 1904, Japan launched a surprise attack against the Russian-held Port Arthur along the coast of Manchuria, beginning the Russo-Japanese War. Much of the fighting took place in what's now northern northeastern China, but some naval battles also took place. That brutal conflict changed the balance of power in the region, setting the stage for World War One. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at pod, foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Tom and Ben, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.